Those who know Kent, uh, Kent leads our Bible study. If you want to know Kent more, men, you can join our Bible study. It'd be one way to go about doing that. So uh, he and Gene are awesome and great leaders here and in a lot of different areas. And just so thankful for him, not only where he works and where they're in their neighborhood, but they sure are here too. And we're just, again, so thankful for that. Salt and light to be salt and light where you're engaged and influential or maybe you need to be engaged and influential. And we'll be talking about that more over these next many weeks. But this week, it just struck me as I was preparing, just kind of figuring out, okay, what, what, what's helpful? What's helpful when we begin to say salt and light? What's helpful when we begin to ask ourselves, what would it look like or what does it not look like sometimes? Maybe that's where we start. Sometimes we have to ask the question, have you ever been there? i got to figure out what it's not to sometimes figure out what it is. got to eliminate some things, but it's easy sometimes to eliminate some of them. But we're going to talk about one of those today because it's easy to, to agree with it. Not so easy to live it out. Jesus is in the middle. Really, last week we started in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, chapters, being salt and light. The scriptures we quoted last week, and you can go back and listen to it for time. I won't go there, but Jesus is quoting there. And then we get down to Matthew chapter 7, which is where we're going to talk today. Because one of the things that Jesus has emphasized up to this point in the Sermon on the Mount is about having an authentic relationship with him. Not just religion, but really something that is, it, it, it not only changes the way you act, it changes who you are. It changes the very being of how you respond and how you think and all that. And so we know as we're reading Jesus' sermon, it's about becoming, if you will, more. Becoming like Christ. That's what it's about. And then in Matthew chapter 7, There's this passage of scripture that haunts me. (laughs) And the reason I say that, I use this term a lot, and I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then I'll come back to, and maybe you'll understand why it haunts me. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. King James and others say a log. This says a plank. Sawdust or speck or splinter. However you want to translate that this morning, I, I use log. I had some planks at the house, but I thought, you know, log, 
since I had to cut a big old tree down in front of my house. This is just a limb. It's not the tree, obviously. Then I did some sawing on it just to get a little bit of sawdust. I got some sawdust. Actually, I told Jan this morning, it's kind of funny. I was sawing this this morning to get this sawdust, and I got sawdust in, in my eye, of all things, as I was doing it. And I thought, well, I must be pretty spiritual because I must be in a better place because it was just sawdust, not a log in my eye. So, hey, that's how I deducted that, right? Because if that log would have jumped up and hit me, then I'd have been, I would have been concerned. I'm not sure there's anything, and, we, and I'm sure there are some, but I'm not sure there's a whole lot more thoughts around Christianity than this thought when you hear it a lot of times. What, people say, well, the reason I don't go to church is because all Christians are what? You hear it all the time, right? As if, because those people judge. I asked somebody this week as I've been <laughs> following the uh, political realm. Uh, yeah, that's a dangerous thing, right? You can get stuck there. But it's interesting, right, to watch it. Human nature. And some people would say, well, it's just politics. It's just politics. That's what you do in politics. And I asked somebody this question. If you tell one lie, and you know it's a lie, but you tell it over and over, or if you only tell two that you know is a lie, but you tell it over and over, but the other, whoever it is, tells ten lies pretty rapid, which one's a liar? Because we have a tendency, right, to compare ourselves to somebody's worst. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, about the challenge I think each one of us have. I am definitely including myself in this, so I just want to say that up front. The one reason I get a little I said a little nauseated when I read this passage of Scripture. I get a little concerned is because I know for a fact. I'm going to confess this for all of you. I'm hypocritical in some things. For sure it could be perceived that, if not. So when we throw the word hypocrite around, it gets a little tricky, doesn't it? And oh, it's easy. It, it's easy. A couple of definitions. I'm going to get into the, the Greek here too, or if, if it's helpful to you. Hypocrisy is the practice of engaging in the same behavior or activity for, one, for which one criticizes another. That's one part of it. 
It is the failure to follow your own express moral rules and principles. I mean, just very simply, one place I know that I'm a hypocrite at times is I want to I eat healthy. I say it. I'm convinced of it in my mind. But I hear Bluebell calling me from the freezer. I hear it. It's got a voice. It's a southern voice. It's actually from Texas. It's a Texas voice. It's Brenham, Texas, I think. But it's Bluebell. Anybody ever heard that voice? You can pick another. I know there's one in here that hears it. Like Jan and I talk about eating a healthy lifestyle. She's going to get mad at me here. We're eating a healthy lifestyle. Man, I'm trying to do a little better here, a little better there. And I come in Friday afternoon. Was it Friday afternoon or Thursday afternoon? She's been to Costco, and there's like an 80-pound bag of Halloween candy on our, on our counter. I don't even weigh 80 pounds. I'm exaggerating just as Jesus did with the beam. Okay, I can get away with Jesus exaggerated, but to make a point, Right? Right? It's this big old bag of Snickers and Baby Ruth and, and, and Twix and Butterfinger and. Does that make me a hypocrite? Maybe. Well, Kurt, that doesn't matter though. Often we're called hypocrites because we judge. And I want, to hit, I want to hit two things here today and then talk a little bit about some things we need to be maybe doing to be salt and light where maybe, again, here's the thing I will say. I don't know that you can ever avoid being called a hypocrite because many times you may not be. You may not be. For instance, let me give you an illustration My kids might say, if you really loved me, you'd let me go do that. You're a hypocrite. You said you love me. Now you're punishing me because I, you said you, you wanted me to have all this freedom of being independent, and I went and did that, and now I'm in trouble. You're a hypocrite. Well, maybe not. In your eyes, I may be. So, so we're not always a hypocrite when we're called a hypocrite. Everybody agree with that? I mean, that's just the reality. Because it's not in context, it's not with right, if you will, right, right thinking maybe not the way to say it. But you haven't processed it out and thought it out and discerned and had thought about both sides and where the parent's coming from. You haven't thought it all out. But somehow or another, you're still qualified as a hypocrite. And we'll talk about some more maybe a little later. But the word judge here comes from the Greek word krino, which basically means to distinguish. Now, we know as Christians, and Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 2.15, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. Okay, so we are not, there's a difference between judging and condemning you and making a judgment whether it's right or wrong. 
I think we all have to do that, right? We have to look at a situation and, 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 and what our values are and what we believe and have to make the decision. We judge in that moment, do we believe that particular thing is a right or wrong thing? But Jesus, and he used the word hypocrite often. I say often, especially with the Pharisees. And I think when we begin to apply this term, even in our own homes, it's easy to say it to watching a debate, for instance. It's easy to say it watching somebody make a Twitter statement and go, oh, yeah, but that doesn't line up with that. But even it isn't it easy in our own homes, the people closest to us, to judge them. And there's a couple things about judging in the sense that Jesus is talking about. One of them is it makes us, if we're not careful, superior. But maybe the biggest thing it does, it deflects us having to look at ourselves. That's probably the biggest one. As long as I can make sure that I can point out what you, then there's a great chance I don't have to spend time or there's a chance if I'm loud enough, I'm aggressive enough, I don't even have to hear your response because I'm just going to bark you right into a corner and get you to shut up. Because then I don't have to look at me at all. And here's one of the worst things about logs in your own eyes, Jesus said. And this is just a thought to me. And maybe it's, maybe you read it somewhere or what, I don't know. But just in my thought, when we have logs in our own eyes, if we're not careful, they seem to become more like magnifying glasses as I look through them. Now yours become even bigger. Almost the bigger log I have, the bigger I make yours. Because I believe this, the smaller and the least, and just think about this, comes from the same tree, right? And apologize to our facilities people, but I mean, look at that versus that. I mean, really. And when it becomes finally, when we begin to get down to this point, where it's just a little, maybe a speck that we're working on, and it's no longer a log. I begin to be able to see other people's stuff in context. The more I get to more like Christ, where things are small, where I begin to get the things out of my own life, because that's really what Jesus is talking about. What, he's, what he ends up saying here is, when you get it out of your life, you can help heal the other people. It's really what he's saying. He's saying don't ever do anything. He says the only way you're ever going to be able to help them heal and be whole and to help them maybe work through whatever they've got to work through is you get it out of your life. We've said it over and over and over here. If we're going to love others, if we're going to promote others' good, the best way we do that is be healed and whole ourselves.
I think as a person who's outside of Christianity, you may be watching today online, you may be in this room today. And you've maybe just dabbling in Christianity, what I mean that you're just kind of checking it out, or you've stumbled onto us and you still are going, I don't believe in any of that mess, if you will, because all Christians are, the best I know, hypocrites. Let me ask you to do a couple of things for us, though, before you go totally that way. Inevitably, if there is a high moral or or big ideal that can change the world, there's going to be this big, huge ideal of just we want to make this the best thing ever. There's going to be a tendency we're all going to fall short of it. But we still desire that. We want to live up to that. Because it's, it's almost always there's going to be a level of hypocrisy when you want something huge to happen. I want to be this husband. If I say I want to be this kind of husband and I set the bar high, or I've said about my, as a dad, to three daughters, and of course, obviously as some, but I've, I've said about being a dad, I want to be the best father, but most of all, maybe first, the best husband. So whoever they marry, they're going to have to reach a high bar. Amen, Allie. That's it. I mean, I want to live a life in front of them that the life, when they begin to compare to what is, I am not going to accept anything below this. I'm going to live in such a way that they are going to go, wow. Okay, I, I, whoever I'm comparing, and, and understand what I mean by this. They don't need to marry. You, you read way too much in what I'm saying here, so don't hear what I'm not saying. I just want to live a life to say it is possible to be a husband. It really is possible to live here. But here's the problem with that. Even the goals I've set for myself as a husband, as a father, I fall short. And I know it. They sure know it. Jan tells me all the time how far I fall. No. I know I'm going to fall short. But man, I want to set such a high bar that the reality, there's going to be times where hypocrisy is just going to be part of it because I've set the bar so high because that's where I want to go because I want the big, the big thought. I want that big goal to be that. And even, the problem with that is you're, now, you're at times going to fall short, maybe most of the time. But your desire is, especially when you're called out on it. This is what I want to tell my friends who are maybe listening and had looked at Christianity. I just want to say to you, one is, I would say, address it with your Christian friends or address it with those people and say, why do you look at this and why are you hypocrites on this and on this and on this? Maybe they may have a more of a contextual answer for you first that you don't see. And maybe... How they respond may blow you away going, you know what, you're right on that. Tell me your story. I love what Kent said in his video. Jesus had that group that he hung out with that was like-minded. And he had that group that wasn't nothing, it wasn't really followers of him. I want to be challenged in my faith. 
because I want to be more. I think that is the response I would say, friend, if that's where you are, is when they're challenged, do they want to be more? Do they want to be more Christ-like? We talk about it here, Henry Clouds. I think we may have the slide on a wise fool evil that we've talked about many times here. And I don't know if we have that. There it is. We talk about it, and Henry Cloud says when you're confronted with truth or light, right, we, want, we not only want to be light, we want light to be shown on us. When, we, when we're challenged with, with truth in our lives, do we want to be wise or a fool or evil? And I hope when you, friend, and, and, and don't take that down, I hope, friend, as you're looking at this, I hope and pray that when you challenge maybe a believer, a, a follower of Christ, I hope they land on wise. I'd also say we as believers sometimes have a conviction about something from Scripture that we can't change it, and it still may look like hypocrisy to you. But the wise, they adjust to the truth. What does the fool do? They deflect it. It's like every time you shoot truth at me, I want to deflect it. Or the fool, or the evil, they want to destroy it. I'm going to attack you. I had a question for you this morning, friend. What are you following this? It's the reason why we need to be in community in such a way as we talk about in, in the training of uncommon. We all have blind spots. We all have areas that are becoming huge stumbling blocks for us to be soft and light. Question becomes when truth is spoken into my life, am I willing to adjust? One of the big challenges, I think, for all of us is to excuse and continue to excuse. And one of the things that I think we were called many times hypocrisy in the church is. Is when it comes to love and tolerance. In our culture today, tolerance used to be that we could disagree and we could still be neighbors. We could still work together. We could still love each other. We could still have civil conversations. But somewhere along the way, the term tolerance got changed. Tolerance is more along the line now, the best I can understand it. Not only be quiet about it, if you will, but you've got to agree that it's right. And you can do with that definition what you want. But I feel like that's where we've moved to. If you really love me, you would tolerate. Because you can't love me if we disagree. But the reality is we can live in the tension. And the reason I know that is, and, and not everybody in here has been in the same position. I know as I have, many of you have, and that as a parent, as a father of children who rebel. I know for a fact that I can love them unconditionally with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you will, but also disagree with where they're headed. For a fact. That's a fact. Maybe in those points, not love them more, but it's so much more on the surface even. 
So I would just say, yes, we can disagree and still love at the same level. But I also would say to Christians, be sure, though, when you've got new information or things like that, be careful that you don't just shun it or excuse it, but maybe look at it. Dialectical thinking we've talked about here over the last many months when we talk about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. It literally means to look at both sides of it, to take a subject and look at both sides of it. Don't just get in your bubble, but look at both sides of it. And even after you do that, slow down. You've heard me say many times here, if you're going to deal with something confrontational or controversial, the first one is make sure your heart's right. Is my heart full of grace? Before I send that, before I go griping about those people, do I want, but with my preference, because grace really ultimately is about redemption. Is the reason I'm about to say this is for redemptive purposes? Second thing is be factual. And the last one is be bold. Like I said, I've said that probably a hundred times here. But if you've got something controversial or confrontational you've got to deal with, make sure your heart's right. Make sure you have the facts. Be bold. Bold is not angry, frustrated, cocky, or arrogant. Bold is willing to speak the truth for the common good, even at personal risk. Even your own reputation, because you know it's for the good of everybody, because you've checked those other boxes. One of the ways I think we as Christians, and I think this is what Jesus is saying, get your house in order. Because getting your house in order allows you to really help someone else begin to live into theirs. The word we use around here many times, because we've used a lot of them in Christ's likeness, ultimately the ethos of Christ's likeness is our goal here. But the, one of the words we use is the word integrity. We talk about it when one of the traits of a person who's living into Christ's likeness is the word integrity, or, or it, it's, it's, a, it's whole. And one of the things we talk about, I used this illustration before, but I told Josiah today, I'm not going to use a regular chair, and I may get hurt doing this, just so you know. But a chair that has four legs, if one of those legs is compromised, it is not what? A chair of what? Integrity. Because you would like to know, because I've already looked at these, you'd like to know that they all, right, are legs of integrity. I don't think I'd probably get up here without knowing that all four of these legs are, are, are this chair is a chair of integrity because all four legs are legs of integrity. The problem we have many times with the whole concept around integrity is, is that somehow or another I can be a person of integrity over here and not over here. That my church people know me this way. My work people know me this way. These people know me this way. You're not a person of integrity when you piecemeal this, when you compartmentalize this thing, folks. And that includes your own private time. We would all say we want to be around people of integrity, wouldn't we? 
I mean, wouldn't you say to yourself, I want to hang out with people who are people of integrity? Because it means they're not going to lie to me. It means they're not going to cheat me. That means they're probably not going to gossip about me. That means they're probably not going to judge me. They're going to have grace. But what Jesus is saying is become that person of integrity, then you might be able to help. Quit trying to make everybody else people of integrity and pick out every little sawdust in their eye versus the the log in your eye become what I'm calling you to be, then you'll be able to see. You're not looking through a microscope anymore. Matter of fact, often some of the things we think somebody's hypocritical about or we're judging as sin, we don't even have the context. Maybe they don't even know any better. I mean, we talk about it a lot. We talked about it during, during the, uh, the greatest series, we're talking about the word empathy. I believe we should have empathy. But sometimes empathy, if we're not careful, can almost become, I've heard it said, almost like a poison. Because I allow empathy to drive me emotionally to go do something that if I step back from it, I may not be helping them the most by me having all my emotions involved in it. Where compassion slows me maybe down a little bit, I feel it, but I want to do something about it, but I want to do something about it by engaging it with wisdom and discernment. You hear often, that's where you get in trouble about being a hypocrite. Well, if you felt what I felt, you'd be out here doing this, or you'd be going doing that, and you'd be doing this, and you'd be voting that way, and you'd be, well, wait a second. Sometimes emotionalism just doesn't equal truth. Matter of fact, it's often emotionalism doesn't equal truth. You can have emotion and truth, but emotionalism Man, can it muddy the water. And you may not be doing the best for what God has stirred in you. But move to compassion. Will you feel it? Yes. But you engage it with discernment and wisdom and grace. And maybe you may not do something for months when somebody said you should have done something today. Jesus is encouraging us here. I think to help our brothers and sisters. To make judgments. To distinguish. For your children. I believe there are times where parents are hypocrites. to the detriment of their children. I used to have parents bring their kids to me when I was a youth pastor. Wanted me to straighten them out. But I said, I'm not going to sit down with your child who's rebelling until I sit down with you. 
My number one question to him was, what are you rebelling against? Is there rebellion in you? Second question is, what do you make, how high a priority do you make God in your life on decisions you make? Because apparently you think that somehow or another the child needs to go under what the, the wisdom of a spiritual leader, but or do you? Do you make decisions based on being a spiritual, looking to spiritual leadership? They don't have to. You know that. You, people can leave their home because they're in the Word and they're, and they're, and, and they're seeking God's uh, leading and guidance. But my question is to them, though, is how do you bring a child who's rebelling to me for somehow or other spiritual things when you yourselves don't reflect that? My last question to them was, how special and unique do you make them feel in your eyes and in the eyes of God? How valued are they? Not as a group of children, but that one individual child. There's a lot of ways we can be called hypocrites. I think kindness, when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and the traits of that, one of them being kindness and gentleness. And I'm not by no means, and Kent, I, I'm, I, I think you're listening, but uh, not all of us are going to be Kent Seacats, okay? And those who know Kent, he's gentle, but he's strong. He is kind, and he and Gina. Now, Gina's the fiery one, okay? Just, Gina, I know you're listening. Gina's the fiery one. Kent's the, but God uses them both, doesn't he? And this beautiful something, and they try to work all that out. We all work all that out. I'm a little more fiery. There's no question about that. And it comes out wrong sometimes, and you could look at me as a hypocrite going, you reacted that way. Yes, and I hate it because that's not who I want to be. That's what I did because there are times if you looked at my life for Maybe 30-second snapshot here and there or something like that. And you go, I don't want him as my pastor. And what I mean by that is I do talk to people in other cars when there's nobody else in the car with me. Anybody ever do that? Have you ever talk to people in other cars and it just crosses your mind to, to think of them as probably voting opposite of what you're voting or something? I don't know. You just start, you know, so you just kind of randomly just start building this character of who that person is. Are you kidding me? I don't know that that person just had a terrible day. They just got fired from their job. Their, their husband or wife just left them. I don't know what kind of news they got that day. I don't know. I don't know. So why don't I just chill out, time out, pause, I ask you this next few weeks. As we pray over our political and our culture and all that goes on with it, we as believers well, let me say this. Nothing's going to change who we're supposed to be no matter what happens. In three weeks. We're going to supposed to be the same people no matter what. That's a fact. But let me ask you this. 
when you're with your group of friends, maybe your spouse, whatever, pray for our nation. Pray for us as a people. Pray for us as believers that would be salt and light in the middle of all this. And here's the deal. I'm going to tell you, if you follow Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself, you're going to be misunderstood. And you're going to be called a hypocrite on occasion, maybe more often than you wish. But that doesn't change because you're following the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And his reflection about people, why does Jesus want us to get the speck out of our eye or the log out of our eye? It's about love. It's about redemption. It's all about that. It's really not about anything else. It's about that. It's not about getting them in place or oh, we'll, we'll put enough coals on their head. Where we're, we're make, we'll, make, we'll make them just so uh, miserable that when they come to judgment, they'll have all these things to account. No, it's about redemption. And the old concept, well, they'll get what they deserve because you know, we like to say that, right? We like to think that. We like to cross our minds. I'm just going to say, I am glad I've never gotten what I deserve. Jesus came, paid the price so that I would not get what I deserve. I would get what I could not earn. And if he can pour, as Paul says, as he poured out that grace on me, why can't I in some form figure out that I am supposed to pour that grace out also? So over these next many weeks, be praying. God's will be done. God's movement across this culture. And maybe one of those podcasts or one of those conversations, just stop in the middle of it and go, just cry out to the Lord. Because one of the things we can't do is get to the end of this next few weeks, whatever's supposed to happen. If we have not brought it before him, we are hypocrites. He can do things that we never imagined. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus parachutes this in. His desire for us is to be clear-eyed. I love what he says, and I'm closing with this. And I don't think we have it up there, but it's found in Matthew. Maybe we did Matthew 6. Night, uh, 6, 19 through 23. I don't know if we have that, but 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let's be full of light, church. Amen? Amen. We got a great opportunity, even when we're misunderstood, to be kind, to be gentle, to be loving, and to be sure that we're open 
to having thinking both ways. I just think this may be some of the greatest days for the church. Because when it gets darker, it doesn't take much light to make a difference, right? Doesn't take much light, but we want, but we want much light. <laughs> okay, amen. Won't you stand with me? If you're here today or you're watching online, and like I said, your thought is uh, church is just full of hypocrites. Well, the reality is you're probably right, <laughs> but we're aspiring to be like our Savior. I hope that's what we're doing. That's what our intent is here. And we're going to fall short. And I just ask that you give us grace. And uh, maybe even have a conversation along the way. Who knows? Well, we come before you today thanking you for the opportunity to be in this house with your people, our family. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room right now that they came in just kind of wondering about this whole Christian thing. It does seem a little weird. And yes, Lord, it does seem a little weird. But it doesn't. It just doesn't. For us who follow after you, Lord, I pray that we would be that salt and light where we begin to remove those things in our lives. Maybe we've made a promise we need to go back and back up. And we, maybe we think that person may give us a lot more grace, so I'm really not going to follow through on it. Well, those people over there, they may not give me as much grace, so I'm going to make sure I stay with that. But, Lord, I pray that we're the same people everywhere we go. We don't compartmentalize our lives. Please help us in that, Lord. But, Lord, I ask that you today would allow us as a church and as a church across this country and around the world that we would be lifting you up and, Lord, your will be done. In our culture, and Lord, as we pray for what you're doing in our lives, first, it starts, as you said, pull the log out of your own eye. Then we will be able to help our brothers and sisters. Lord, help us today to be the kind of people that reflect you in those ways. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. And we're going to dismiss those online. Thank you again. Have a great week in his name. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.